0: This is Craig McKnight, also known as the Muffin Man with uh, Muffin the Good Vibes, saying you're listening to the Bradley's House podcast.
1: Hey guys, welcome back. Come on in, make yourself at home as you should when you're a guest in Bradley's house. I'm your co-host Jared Orr. She is the executive director of the Knoll Family Foundation and our host, Ms. Kelly Knoll. You know, Kelly, I feel bad just saying that you're the executive director. If people knew how many hats you actually wore for the Noble <laughs> Family Foundation, you are the executive director, you are the merch director, you are the shipping director, you are the... Basically, thank you for everything that you do.
2: <laughs> well, thank you, Jared. I appreciate all the help from you and Anna. And of course, we have a wonderful board of directors and lots of great people we've just really, really grateful for all of the help, but thank you. I appreciate you saying that. I always think that we just call me executive director because like the person that does all the shit work is too long to fit on a business card.
1: Yeah. It's not quite as professional either.
2: No, it's not. That's, that's
1: it kind is. of a long and short of it. <laughs> Kelly, when we, uh, when we're talking about potential guests for Bradley's house and we've had a lot of amazing guests, we've been very blessed with the people that we've had come on here and we've had people from the board and people from the world of recovery and people who are friends and people who are musicians. And it's just, but when it comes down to it, we're really here to entertain our listeners as well. So when we were sitting at Cali roots and we were talking about, Hey, you know, we haven't had this individual on the podcast yet. And he walked over to me and he said, yeah, man, I, I would love to tell my story. Hey, this one time in a Mexican prison, I, and I said, stop, you're on the show. You're on. So we're going to talk a little Kelly roots. We're going to talk a little recovery. We're going to talk a little Noel family foundation and we're probably going to talk about that fucking Mexican prison. Kelly, who is our guest today?
2: Today, we have one of our board members, and I'm so grateful for him. He does so much for the foundation. Most importantly, he is our recovery liaison. So whenever somebody reaches out looking for help, I always um, send them to Tyson to talk to because he has connections everywhere. He's so great at finding resources for people or, or pointing them in the right direction of what might work for their situation, and it's just been a tremendous gift To everybody who's come to us and of course to the foundation as well we are super super grateful to have with us today Tyson Sullivan Tyson thank you for being on the show
0: thank you so much for inviting me on you guys I love you all very much
2: well you know we love you we love your whole family of course we've got two of you on the board you and your brother Casey I of course love your mom and dad Tim and Bonnie and then there's kids and grandkids and um, I have yet to meet Corey, the other Sullivan, but um, you guys just have a wonderful, wonderful family and you're, you're, guys are such a light to so many people at shows and everything. It's really, it's really cool to see. Has it always been like that?
0: You know, uh, yes, uh, we've always had a very uh, energetic, loving family, but uh, for many years, it was uh, everything was centered around drinking and using that made the smile so big on our faces and now now you're catching a, a an extremely different side of the sullivan's we're extremely energetic and we're now all sober and we uh have we are living this second sullivan lifestyle um That's and it's just awesome. an amazing gift to experience you know you
2: all talk about it quite a bit um, on, on social media, you know, your, your parents have been really forthcoming about, you know, when they stopped drinking and all that. And I think it's just so encouraging to people because it really shows people that you can have fun without, without using, without getting messed up.
0: Yeah. It's, it's, it, that's one of the biggest fears uh, for somebody that likes to party, especially my own. I'm only speaking for myself, especially uh, the, the, the fear of how boring is life about to get for me? If I'm not <laughs> drinking or using a right. narcotic. Right. And, um, right. Yeah. I was, I, 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 everything I thought was actually the exact opposite. And I'm having more fun than I've ever had. And I remember every second of these fun times now. And it's and a I, really cool deal. And I can definitely attest to that. As we said,
1: we just spent four days at the Knoll Family Foundation booth in Cali Roots. And, I don't know if anybody had any more fun than Tyson. I mean, this was a guy that was ear to ear smile every day, shaking hands, going to listen to music, dropping off waters for us. And uh I you know, I kind of wondered what what it's like being
0: in that type of atmosphere. I mean, even now you, you, how how many years are you clean now Tyson? I've been uh clean and sober since January 13th, 2015, so I have a little little over 7 years. What's Congratulations. It, Congratulations What's it like when you're going to prepare to go to an event
1: like that, knowing that it's just temptation everywhere?
0: Well, I guess to make a a, a, sh- a shorter answer on something like that is, uh, as you know, me and my brother uh, would exit ourselves from the event once at least once a day, right, and we would go outside of the meeting. I'm not, I'm sorry, outside of the concert to go uh, take care of things that let us enjoy that concert sober. And um, that's a big part of what I would encourage anybody listening that wants to learn how to have fun at festivals and not get drunk or high. Uh, every day you got to, um, you know, continue to uh, work on that side of things so you can enjoy it. And and a long time ago, I guess I was about to make it a short answer, but now it's going to get a little longer. Um <laughs> I would, I would, uh, to to make a, to make a, um, a short answer longer. Um, I would say that, um, the obsession is, has been removed. Um, there came a certain point where I just didn't want to do it anymore. And I did whatever it took to get to that victory over it. And once I was okay, that I just, one thing Tyson needed to sacrifice was that he can't get drunk or high and I get everything back in my life. It wasn't that hard of a, a trade-off. Because I used to trade everything for that one thing, and now I traded in that one thing for everything, and it just makes it so much easier knowing that that was the one thing holding me back from getting to enjoy the way everybody else lives their life, and that uh, was the removal of alcohol and drugs.
2: Very well said. Now, you grew up kind of near where Brad and I used to live before we moved to Long Beach.
0: Yeah, and, I love the fact that we went to the same middle school yeah. together. <laughs> Isn't um, that crazy? Yeah, it all make it, it, it checks out though, Kelly. Um, Such a small world. Yeah, there's there's some there's some vibes cruising through the foothills that I that that I'm sure were a big part of uh you know Bradley's style.
2: <laughs> absolutely, yeah. absolutely. So tell us a little bit about what you were like growing up.
0: Oh well as far as, uh, growing up went for me, uh, like you said, you know, I came from a very uh, loving family, exciting, uh, big Irish family. Uh, we would, uh, we would, my whole family would, uh, get together almost every weekend. Um, we would have these family reunions every couple of years and, and relatives from all over the the world from literally from six different countries and, and 12 different states would, we would unite together. And, uh, we would just like, I was just shown from a young age that family is everything. And, um, they, everything that was included in these events were drinking and, uh, lots of it. And everybody would, uh, go back to their, you know, their homes or, you know, even if it was local stuff and they would go back to work on Monday and raise their family. And then on Friday nights we'd meet back up and everybody get together and, I would see uh, the laughter and the cheers and the and the drinking and the barbecues and and uh, I would just I was taught you know like that that family was love and 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 family would get together and 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 the way we showed our love was we would we would cheers each other and drink a bunch of alcohol and um, it, it it it's I remember um, growing up and um, I felt kind of like a little bit like I was not like normal i guess you would say i always from a very young age i would do things that i don't think normal children do such as uh i remember one time trying to set my neighbor's house on fire oh my Um, yeah i was throwing matches at gas pipes and i didn't even know what a gas pipe was back then or what why you would throw a a a fire at at something like that but now I, i i understand um that that probably wasn't a good idea I remember um trying to derail a train in my local neighborhood.
2: Oh my um, goodness.
0: <laughs> I rem- you know, you know, fun stuff kids do. You just know, just prank. a boy. <laughs> just the normal childhood stuff, you know. Um, punching local kids in the chin for no reason. Um, just full of anger. Didn't know why. Um I could be surrounded by a hundred people when I was a kid, and I felt like I was the loneliest kid in the room. And I didn't know why. And um You know, I, uh, definitely, uh, I had a racing, a lot of racing thoughts and, uh, was an angry kid and getting in a lot of trouble, lots of timeouts, lots of after school whatever that was called, um, detention, detention. Yes. And, um, yeah,
2: detention.
0: I I remember, uh, just, um, taking my first drink at about the age of 11 and, Uh um, I remember uh, everything had finally quieted down after my first few beers in my life. And, um, you know, my household, like, you know, it was loving, but there was alcoholism in my household. It was chaotic as well. Mm -hmm. Lots of anxiety, lots of, uh, you know, um, lots of yelling. Um, And a big part of the yelling was me and my brother raising havoc. (laughs) (laughs) And my poor dad's working his ass off to support a family. And he, he'd come home and look at us and go, I, I need a beer. Mm-hmm. And, um So anyways, that was a little bit about my childhood.
2: So then when did you start using drugs?
0: What was your drug I of started, choice? My drug of choice, My, my I, I smoked pot at the age of 12. Mm-hmm. I did my first rail of meth at 13.
2: Oh, wow. And,
0: and I started tweaking at 13 years old. Back when meth was real in the 90s, I like to say. Um, but it was real, when bikers so made it, one. <laughs> right. <laughs> <laughs> Back when bikers made it, um, you know, I joke around. You, you know, you could. Uh, I, I didn't sleep in the nineties. Um, yeah, so I was often running from a very young age, and I think that's a big part of my problem as well as my brain never developed properly. Mm. Um, and then I, I used heroin for the first time at about sixteen years old. Oh, wow, and, um, and I, I, and I, there wasn't a drug I didn't like, um, I, uh, anything that gave me a head change, I, I, there was no remorse. I was all about it. And I, and don't you dare talk bad about drugs or alcohol around me when I was a teenager. Cause that's what my life, I loved it. And, um, I'm not going to sit here and act like I didn't. Um, I, I, everything was a big hallucination throughout my teens because I just lack of sleep and lack of food <laughs> and mm. uh just lots of drugs, and um I am just yeah it, yeah i, I uh, don't I
1: don't think we can let you just casually skip by you know, I didn't sleep during the nineties, and then we just <laughs>
0: you didn't sleep
1: during the nineties
0: <laughs> you know what I was in uh what our friend and brother Bradley No likes to say I was in a lot of secret tweaker pads. Mm-hmm. And, and I know all about those houses that our friend talked about in this song. And um, yeah, I, uh, you know, I uh, would um, get into whole, the whole underworld of, of the mess scene of the 90s in Southern California. Wow. Um, and I remember uh, just learning every bit of it, um, you know, learning who, you know, who's the most important guy is is, is our cook, our fellow cook. Um, the guy making it for us, and then um, everybody else is under him <laughs> or her, wow. and yeah. uh, and then a lot of people in that scene you do it, you know, we're, we're very uh, we're very secretive because we're, we're 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 committing a lot of crimes to support our habit, mm-hmm. so it's a secret society, and um, you know, but but when you walk out in public, it's sure you're we're sure not a secret anymore when you look at us, <laughs> um, you just <laughs> Um, yeah, we looked like zombies and, um, anyways, that was my drug of choice for the majority of, uh, my early teens, um, until my, my mid twenties. And then I, I would say I had a transformation into the heavy opiate scene after that.
2: At what point did you decide that that was not how you wanted to live anymore?
0: Um, so as far as uh, my bottom went, um, yeah, and there's a lot in between uh, 13 to 35. Oh, <laughs> so wow. We can get into some of those stories. Um, you know, uh, like Jared mentioned earlier, part of my – well, we'll get into that. But uh, as far as my bottom goes, to answer your question, Kelly, um, I was mentally, physically, emotionally completely bankrupt. Bankrupt. Mm um i had wow. i had lost all respect for myself for my family and i was uh spiritually dead i had no um connection to to the to the positive vibes of this world anymore and i was um basically in a, i was suicidal oh, um wow. if i were to be honest about it i think yeah. most addicts if they were to be honest are 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 living this drawn out suicidal way of life um mm. you know a lot of us don't have the courage to just end it in one night and uh we just kind of draw it out because we know like we don't want this but we're not quite sure how the hell to get out of it Yeah. so i had got uh i had gotten arrested for a cotton a heroin when i was 35 and i got sent to prison for that for 16 months wow and i when I was in prison, the laws had changed in California where possession turned into a misdemeanor and they, they re, uh, recanted my, uh, my, my sentence and they changed, they, they, they released me under the conditions that I would go into a rehab. And it was the, you know, I was in there for maybe six months when this happened. And I was like extremely, uh, obviously right then i just anything to let me out of prison let, let's go uh, sounds good to me yes let, let's get so sure yeah and um i went in and i just something happened this time there's not this magical uh perfect ter- phrase i can give but all i know is that i was sick and tired of my own shit mm. i was just done and i was i knew that i couldn't drink or get high anymore safely and and i didn't want to and um and I, I just had just enough perfect amount of insanity and and desperation that i was ready and um and i just went 100% all in with my recovery which i had never done in the past mm-hmm. i was maybe sometimes 40% sometimes okay i'm i'm sorry i got busted let's let's quit drinking and using Thai. or um there was always something you know some motive connected but this time i truly was like i really want to learn how to stay clean and sober and actually possibly be happy at the same time. And uh you know once I went all in and 100% I sit before you today a transformed human being.
2: That's incredible. It's so hard to imagine you the way you were just describing because I've only ever known you sober and so and you're just you're very vibrant and alive and you know just sociable and like Jared was saying like you know going here and there and um it's so hard to reconcile that picture that you were just painting of you. And it, it's so true that, you know, we. I always say drugs are a thief, but it's just it, it robs loved ones of the people they love and it robs people of who they really are. And um, I think you did a great job of explaining that. So let's get back to the Mexican prison. Because <laughs> <laughs> we know yeah. that's what Jarrett wants to hear.
0: Yeah, I have a I have a few uh, uh stories that are, are horrific and thank God you didn't know me back then, Kelly. Um I would have uh I would have probably had some amends to make to you. Um <laughs> oh, but um yeah, the Mexican prison. Um so I I uh you know, I've been in and out of the uh a, a couple of California prisons uh through my 20s, right? And um I did some a lot of it was drug-related offenses. Everything that anything to do with the, the the crimes I committed or the the way I lived was was drug-induced and drug-fueled um, desperation because I didn't have any money, and um, that was like I guess not an excuse, but just it just was what it was. And I I uh, I met a lot of people in uh, the, the penitentiary that you know they're uh, they're, they're they they have uh, you know Mexico is a big part of their story, right? um, obviously a lot of them would get, they would get deported, um, to Mexico and I would meet them in there. And one time, you know, I used to go to, uh, I used to go to, um, Tijuana all the time. Right. And, uh, this particular time in Tijuana, I ran into a friend down there. He's got some family that, you know, is very well connected to some of the stuff going on in Mexico that we all know about. Mm. And, um, he's like, Hey, Tyson, he's like, Would you like to make some money? And, um, Uh and you know, would you like some free drugs? And would you like to make some money? And, um, you know, obviously, you don't have to, uh, you know, bend my arm back for that answer. (laughs) Um, You know, I was like, uh, where do I sign up? And uh, absolutely, I would like to. So he explained to me some of the things he wanted to get me involved in. And at that point in my life, you know, there, there wasn't really much that would scare me or think, Oh, I can't do that. Um, that's illegal. Um, I did not care (laughs) at all. Uh, Gosh, The the biggest consequence you can give me was I had to go to prison and, uh, prison's a place. Now that I look back, if I'm honest with myself, it saved my life a few times. Um, I got rescued, not arrested is what we like to say. Mm. And, um, this, this particular time I started, uh, you know, doing, um, a few things, uh, transporting a few things over the border lines and, uh, doing things of that nature. And, um, you know, I was, uh, one of the families I was, uh, connected with over there. Um, I could have been on the show locked up abroad. Let's put it that way. Um, oh, wow. I, uh, I, uh, basically long story short, some federales came in, uh, some people had, you know, uh, I guess you could say told on the organization, maybe to try and get them out of the neighborhood. Who knows? But, um, Federales came in and they, uh, they do what they do. And, um, I had, uh, guys in ski masks and forty sevens pointed in my face. Oh my gosh. Uh, and I thought to myself, this is the end for me. Uh, I'm going to die today. And, um, oh my gosh. And, uh, they, they were demanding, you know, what they demand over there. Um, Usually a little bit of money can talk. Not in this instance. They wanted a lot of money. <laughs> wow. And uh, I, I didn't have it. So they threw me in the back of a Dodge Ram, uh, put made me put my head on the ground. And uh, they had two AK-47s at my head, and they drove off. And I literally thought they were going to oh. drive me up to the hills of TJ and blow my brains out. Oh, and, my gosh. Um, And I'm like just going – my life's flashing before my very eyes on this truck drive. and um, we pull up, we stop and they take them. They, they, oh, they put a face thing over my uh, a face. Oh, thing, wow. Uh, blindfold deal over my face. I wake up, I look up and um, we're at a, we're at a, a, a federal jail detention facility and they bring me in and they book me and uh, they charged me with um, transportation and, oh, uh, and uh, so they uh, put me through the system. I go to the, um, uh, I go, I'm in this holding facility for about five days. Uh, The American uh, embassy comes and visits me. They let me know that they have, you know, somebody to represent me. And um, they assign me a a, a Mexican attorney. And um, they send me over to La Mesa prison in Tijuana. And I go and I enter this uh, prison over there. Um, it's a federal and state facility, lots of, lots of crazy stuff going on in there. If you can imagine it's, uh, it's guys doing life sentences, from oh, all wow. different car, all different cartels of all parts of Mexico. Oh, and, wow. um, and there's just, um, some of the stuff that happens in there is extremely gory. Um, and I got there and immediately the first thing they do when I walk into the cell over there is, um. The, a couple of big cats come up to me and they start testing me. Um, and this is crazy to say, luckily I had done prison in California. <laughs> so oh, I knew God. how to, I knew how to survive. Right.
2: Oh, my and, God. Um,
0: so, uh, you know, they, they said, Hey, they said, Hey, wedo, take your pants down. Mm. And I said, uh, no, that's not going to be happening today. Mm. And, um, they're like, they're all laughing, you know, trying to see what I, you know? And so I, mm. uh, so I punched that guy. Oh and, my gosh! Uh, I, 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 I don't you know I'm not a tough guy, but I know what you got to do in there to show this isn't the guy. So I start fighting with this guy. Um, he bites a hole through my chest, <gasps> and um, we what? Uh, yeah, and uh, I'll and I my I, I actually got this crazy. This guy probably had rabies in his teeth. <laughs> oh, <laughs> I get this, I get this tennis ball size infection. And ah. I'm, shak- I'm shaking on the floor of this Tijuana prison, convulsing from this infection. And I, uh, they luckily, the way it works in there, I had uh, a guy had compassion for me, which I know that it was my, you know, it was something beyond myself helping me out. Mm. And uh, he gave the guard five bucks to send me to medical. And uh, they wow. they they brought me to medical and they saved my life. And, wow. Uh, Anyways, uh, that was my first couple nights in uh, Mexican prison. So oh I thought, okay, my gosh! We're off to a good start here, <laughs> and um, I, uh, you know, I had National Geographic from France interviewing me in there, and um, it was just a wild experience, you know. And I, these guards, I'll tell you, a, 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 I'll tell you a, a little funny story about uh, what happened while I was in there. Are you guys? Uh, are, are, do we have some more time for Mexican prison stories? dude i got all the time in the world you just uh, you just keep on going i was making popcorn, so 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 uh this guard these guards would come by when you're in the holding facility the holding tanks of the mexican prison before you get to your actual uh cell you're in these you're in these like what they call like a reception cell before they classify you right so they can make sure you know murderers go with the murderers and blah 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 which actually they put murderers in there with low-level criminals they don't care but wow. uh um, bottom line is uh nobody The the, the guards were bringing around they're called delicados which is mexican cigarettes <laughs> and they're offering us cigarettes and i'm asking the guy how do i get one of those cigarettes and the guy tells me that i noticed the guard has a, a baton and he says uh You got to, you got to let the guard hit you in the back with his baton. (gasps) And, uh, and I said, I said, Amigo, I'll take two cigarettes. (laughs) Oh my gosh. uh, So he, uh, so he, um, the guy, the guard comes over with his baton and um, I walk out there. I'm like, I mean, at this point, like I said, my, my, I'm a complete loser. I don't care about pain. Uh, Please take me out of my misery. Right. So he hits Mm -hmm. me as hard as he can in the back and this baton is actually the way it was uh shaped was a little bit skinnier than what you would you know a, a police baton mm-hmm. or it, it actually it was wooden too and it broke over my back oh my and, gosh yeah and and, and and here's another crazy thing luckily it broke because they gave me both cigarettes for one lashing um so that what a really deal lucked, i really lucked out that night you know <gasps> Man, somebody man. was somebody was looking out for you. Somebody was that looking oh. out for me on
1: those Tyson.
2: cigarettes. Oh so my I mean, gosh!
1: Tyson and told he, he started he started to tell me that story a little bit at at Cali Roots, and I looked over to Anna and I said, you know, man, Tyson's got some amazing stories. We're definitely going to get him on the podcast, and and we're
0: locking the bedroom door tonight. So, <laughs> 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 yeah. Oh, believe me, that lock ain't going to stop anything, Jared. <laughs> I know. but um yeah so uh i was looking at six years in mexican prison and um and uh the way the way it works in there is if you get five years or less you can actually bail out instead of doing your time and you can pay it's called a fianza you can pay a, a mexican bail and you can go home Oh, right, wow. but but if you get one day over five years, you have to do every single day of your sentence. So I'm looking at, of course, six years, and I'm uh, and um, I'm just going, man, like this is, uh, you know, a, a lot of stuffs happening daily in there. Uh, lots of, uh, you know, and and I mean, in there, if you start fighting, they're, they'll they'll just shoot you dead on the yard. Oh um, my gosh! You know, they're 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 pretty strict in there um with certain things and, and actually uh before i forget this two weeks after i left that prison there was in a a, a massive riot between the guards and the inmates and citizens of tijuana oh my word at the guards it, 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 thousands uh, uh thousands of people injured uh hundreds of people dead and this oh. is like two weeks after i left there Oh my gosh. Um, yeah, it's it you can look I mean I think it was around two thousand and four, two thousand five. You oh can look up word. La Mesa La Mesa La Mesa riots. But um anyways, um I uh you know I'm looking I've been there I'm, I'm I I get used to the whole deal in there. I've been in there for a few months and in there it's old Roman law where you're guilty until you prove your innocence, right? And um I see the I see the Federale and uh, walking with a guard and he's in prison. The guy who arrested me. Right. And oh I my look goodness. over, I look over and I, and I, and I, and I, and I, you know, he's in like the other side of the fence in like protective custody. Right. And I'm like, uh, Whoa. So I go and I talk to, uh, I, I the, it, it, you can buy information in Mexican prison, right? Everything has a price. So I give, I give a uh, few bucks to somebody to find out what that guy's uh, the federal he's in prison for. And I find out he's in there for corruption. So I go and I talk to my attorney and he takes that to the judge. And they, uh, the judge says, we're going to give you leniency because of this, what happened with this uh, law enforcement Uh, officer. And they gave me two years sentence for, I had to plead guilty though. they wouldn't, they couldn't just let me go. So they gave me two years and I was, my family helped me get out for 500 American dollars. Oh my word. And I got to go home.
2: So, how long were you there altogether?
0: I was in there for about four months. Oh my word. Yeah. That's a, it's quite a, it's quite a long time for that place. Yeah. Being sober's worked out better for you. Yeah. I I would definitely say so, Jared. No, uh, no, no (laughs) truer words have been spoken. Wow. And I, I, Kelly's right.
1: For anybody who doesn't know Tyson to hear these stories is just. I mean, there's not a nicer guy. I have I have sent Tyson messages at seven o'clock in the morning and been like, "Hey, this person reached out. Do you think you can help him? Yeah, man, give me his phone number. I'll call him. I've referred family members to get information uh, from Tyson. He's just such a uh, such an amazing guy. Um, it's uh, it's really an inspiring story. And you know, there's a lot of people that are struggling that are listening to this or that have struggled and. Um you know, you you stepped in a huge pile of shit, man, you came out smelling like a rose.
0: I appreciate that. Yeah. I uh I I I just for anybody listening that might be struggling or thinking out uh, you know, I they don't understand my story. We we do understand. And um just to let you know, you know, that you're not an exception to the rule. We all have crazy past and we're all the same. We're all in this together. And right. we all suffer. We all suffer from the same thing, and uh, it's never too late. As long as you're breathing, there's a chance for you. Yes. Well said. That's so true. And what I, I I hope people understand
2: the the spirit in which we're having you tell these stories, and you know, of course, part of it is just to entertain Jarrett because he likes Mexican prison stories. But <laughs> but right. you know, I think it's also important for people to see that. You know, when they see you now, they see someone who's got his shit together, who's clean and sober. And it's really easy for people who are in difficult circumstances to look at you and go, like you said, well, he would never understand what I'm going through, you know? And so I, I yeah. appreciate you coming on to, to talk about this stuff because it really does help people to go, okay, either, um, yeah, I can relate to that or geez, at least I'm not that bad. You know? <laughs> Or yeah, wow, I mean, this guy really gets it because he's been where I've been, you know, and that's so helpful.
0: Yeah, what uh, I, I had a I had a I had a stretch for a while in the end there where I was uh, I, I, I feel I was a, a victim of the pharmaceutical um, situation that was a, a epidemic in our country. I had, you know, doctors that were giving me a lot of uh, oxy cotton and and uh, Xanax and all kinds of pills and uh you know, not blaming this, but I was such in a bad place in my head i actually uh I actually robbed a pharmacy in Orange County. I was so messed up on pills. Wow, so you know, Mexican prisons, pharmacy robberies, all kinds of fun stuff and addiction for me. And had you tried
2: multiple times to get clean?
0: I would say I tried about uh ten to fifteen times to get clean. Wow. yeah. I'm uh, Glad she uh, didn't stop. Yeah, you know what? That's another thing I want to make real clear to people listening that 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 keep relapsing. Um, you know, it's you're not. It's not because you don't know how to get this. What it is is every time you relapse, you're gaining more experience about what you're up against.
2: And oh, it takes, that's
0: good. It takes a long time to understand how badly mangled we need to become to to finally surrender to the process of recovery. Mm-hmm. You know, um, I, you know, we, there's something we say in recovery. If, 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 if getting sober meant losing one of our arms, there would be a lot of recovering alcoholics with one arm, right? You know, um, there, there's no consequences when you're not ready. There isn't a big enough consequence. Um, and unfortunately a lot of our friends and family had to die by, uh, through, through that, through that yeah. lesson, you know? and um. The, the people that are still alive you know that never stop, never give up, it takes what it takes a hundred times you know I'll, I'll even state a quote for medicine if you fail ten thousand times and you succeed on the ten thousand first time you you have you have uh, succeeded yes, you know? and um never give up it's never too late absolutely. Such
1: you, you, you just dropped like all these amazing little quotes that I felt like should be cut out and hanging on walls somewhere. You, <laughs> uh, Tyson, I, I got to ask you, um, growing up in a, a big Irish family, um, there had to have been somebody who had a name for their, for their fists, right? A grandpa, an
0: uncle. It's like, it's a prerequisite in a big Irish family. Uh, you talking about the Sullivan on my fist? Well, you have Sullivan
1: on your fist, but I know that it was always like, you know, I came from a big, I come from a big Irish family and uh, like my grandpa and a couple of my uncles, you know, they all, they all named their Dukes. My grandpa's, his last one was six months in the hospital. The right one was sudden death.
0: <laughs> it's a Every oh my God, old gotcha, Irish gotcha. guy's got a name for his Dukes. Gotcha. You know what? You know what, Jared? I, I, I hate to disappoint you. Uh, I don't know of any <laughs> of my family members that have any names for their fist. Fucking maybe West it's coast an, Irish. I was
2: gonna say maybe it's an <laughs> East Coast Irish thing.
0: <laughs> I mean, I, I know I know Ron Burgundy had names for his fist. Right. Yeah, you're damn right he
1: did. <laughs> you're damn right he did. So um Tyson, you had an opportunity to hang out with us uh, a little bit at Cali Roots and uh, you got a chance to meet a bunch of the people coming over to the booth and you helped out selling some merch, but you also got to dive in there and, and listen to some music. Who, who was your favorite from Cali Roots? Uh, You know what? Don't even say it. Say the real answer.
0: You're going to get the real answer. Okay. ice, Ice freaking cube thank god yes ice cube was my favorite uh i'm a 90s guy um well you're 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 awake a lot so you had to fill a lot of time so I was sure. a, yeah I, I listened to to today was a good day at every every hour of the night for many years um yeah but yeah uh other than ice cube though obviously i mean he was like uh he's he's not your uh, average reggae artist at a cali roots fest but um I'm going to I'm going to give I'm going to give it to my boys in Pepper. Um oh God. what they, a show
1: they put on. Yeah. For, the,
0: for them to throw it down with Kona Town and uh play some of the old classics and bring, bring the fellows on from law. Um it was a really unbelievable experience, man. And um so rad to have our our boy Yassad, the drummer on the foundation and Absolutely. Paul, they're just amazing guys and I'm not giving them an extra shout out because of that. They, 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 they brought it, they brought it amazing on, uh, on the Cali roots night. That was unbelievable. It it really,
1: they might, they might've stole that whole show except for now. I know that you are, like you said, the Sullivan's are, they're walking the straight and narrow and you and your brother would sneak out during the day and you'd go do what you had to do to make sure you kept everything right. But, uh, you guys also rolled some fucking gear right up into uh, right up into the zone there, and we had a burritos concert set up. And I remember Amazing. looking over at you at one point as you were sitting there watching your brother play. How cool was that? I
0: I, I would say that it. Um, you know, I gotta say nobody else brought a tear to my eye at Cali Roots other than burritos. <laughs> right. Um, you know the, the 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 you know for those that don't know Casey Sullivan. And Katie, Joe Sullivan, Casey's my little brother. I'm the I'm his oldest brother, and uh, we have one other brother, Corey. And um, yeah, for them to just, you know, I got to be honest. I, I at first I was like, I don't know, understand how you guys are going to pull this off. But Casey, and <laughs> Katie, they Casey, and Katie know they they're they're they've been doing this for a minute. Casey was one of the first guys at the first Cali Roots. He did wow. their first he did their first flyer. Um, did he really?
2: I didn't know that
0: he, he did the original flyer for Cali roots. Nice. Um, I, I, now I, 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 I don't, I don't want to say that, that that's a hundred percent, but I'm pretty damn sure that's true. Um, and, it's a hundred percent. We're never, it's gonna, we're <laughs> yeah, of a hundred. Lock, it lock it in. Um, you know what though? Uh, and then, yeah, we, we set up, um, and then we're seeing some posts from people on the Cali roots family on Facebook going, did anybody, does anybody know who these guys are? This was unbelievable. And, um, you know, they set up right near the Knoll Family Foundation booth and they rocked the house. And I, I got to say, Kelly, I, you know, I looked over at you and, um, you know, words can't even express the uh, the love in your eyes and the smile on your face to celebrate your brother that night was pretty special. And I know you felt it.
2: And, it absolutely
0: um, was. It was uh, very special for me, too. Yeah,
2: it was a magic moment. It was so cool just to see all those people singing along and even people walking by were singing along. It just, it was, it was really a a special moment and everybody was loving it. And I had so many people come up and ask, who are those guys? Who is that for them? So I I just thought that was a real testament to the music and to the musicians. And I thought that was, that was definitely a highlight of the weekend for me.
1: It's totally well, become like uh it's become like my fishing story over the last week. <laughs> like the first night that it happened, I remember texting a buddy and I'm like, Man burrito set up and I mean within seconds there was probably like 150 people standing on this grass and Mm -hmm. uh by by the next day I was like man Casey and Katie and Ian set up they started playing 400 people were standing there (laughs) and uh, I think just yesterday at the sea leg show for RAS1 I was like yeah burrito set up 3,000 people we sold out (laughs) the entire outside concourse (laughs) <laughs> of the, so uh so by this time by this time next year the bowl will have been empty and right. everybody will have been sta- they, would, they were climbing on top of the uh, of the the thing watching so everybody and they had shit. go ahead go ahead
2: oh i was gonna say Every- they had a, a special guest playing with them too mike and jameson
0: yes oh yes our, our my nephew yeah, and Casey's son Jameson played the lead for Santeria. He yeah, is, I believe twelve.
1: He's twelve. He so He's good, twelve
0: years old, and that kid is uh, a future prodigy for the Sullivans. Absolutely. And, um, he got up there and he and he did it, and he even critiqued himself. Everybody kept telling him, "You're amazing." He said, "I, I, I it didn't, it didn't quite go. <laughs> it didn't quite go as I would have wanted it to." You know, he was being modest.
1: He was the fact that He even walked up there and did it.
0: Now, listen, I don't know what you and Casey
1: have planned uh for your kids or what what the future looks like, but I'm telling you right now, your boys, if there's ever been a professional wrestling tag team that could sound any more badass than Seamus and Jameis and Sullivan, then I don't you I don't know what it could possibly be. So there is that to look into, well, is all I'm J- saying. J-
0: my my son Seamus uh, definitely already had his rock star moment in life. Um, you know, I don't. uh Am, I, am I, Can I talk a little Please bit about that? It. Yeah. Yes. So, um, over, Dad, the, over the hashtag
1: Dad Brag.
0: <laughs> <laughs> yes. Uh, listen up, dads. Take notes because it doesn't get much better than this. Um, I uh, I have a good friend. He's an Irish actor out of Boston. And um, he grew up with the Dropkick Murphys, and uh, those are a big; those guys are a big deal in my Irish family. Uh, I love punk rock, and I love um, the whole Irish scene, and those guys are just—they're—they're they're up there. And um, it was a ple—you know, my buddy introduced me to Loma a, a couple of years ago before COVID. I got to see him at the Palladium. Fast forward to St. Patrick's Day of this year. My buddy set it up for my brother and myself and my son, Seamus, who is a huge Dropkick Murphys fan. He is—he just turned five today. It's his actual birthday today. And, oh, uh, happy birthday. Thank you so much. And we went uh, to Boston. It was his first concert ever. We got to see Dropkick Murphys on St. Patrick's Day at the House of Blues Boston. Um, we got to sit up in the... You know, a little family section. Thank you, Ken Casey and the Dropkick Murphys. And my son got to sing every one of their songs and have a great time. Anyways, um, it was an amazing uh, experience. And my son, I just, I don't, I don't understand. He loves, he absolutely. I, I guess I do understand. He I just ador- he just worships the Dropkick Murphys at four years old. Right? That is so funny. I, so, anyways, uh, we met Ken. Uh, on su- that Sunday, we were going to go to one more of their shows where Jim Lindbergh was playing with them with Ooh. his own band. He opened up for them, right? And, uh-huh. um, shout out to Jim. That was an amazing first, first, it was their first show that, uh, outside of Pennywise for him, right? And, um, we had to go see that to, to support our local Pennywise, Pennywise boys. And, um, anyways, uh, long story short, Ken met Seamus, uh, at the, at his Mexican restaurant in Boston. And uh, he told Seamus, um, you know, I, rem- I my buddy had sent him some videos of Seamus singing. He said, I know you, Seamus. I've seen your videos, little man. And he goes, uh, would you would you like to sing a song with me here in the restaurant? And I said, uh, you know, Seamus is like, yeah, he puts them up on the bar. They sing a little bit of Rose Tattoo. And um, Ken comes up to me afterwards. The whole bar is, you know, clapping for Seamus. And he goes, hey, hey, Sully, he calls me Sully. Sully, your, your kids, He's fearless. He goes. Let's bring him on stage for the for the show tonight. I'm gonna have him open up Rose Tattoo. Wow! And, um, so I'm like, wow, that's unbelievable. So we wow. go and and Sheamus goes out to the new Roadrunner venue in Boston. It was their first one of their first shows, and um, he brings out Seamus on in front of about five thousand people. And my son, he he delivers. He 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 killed it. He starts off a cappello rose tattoo and the whole crowd goes crazy. No and then, way. And then Jim invites us out there for bro him to end the show with Dropkick, kick and my son and my brother. And it was just an amazing experience. And, uh, now something clicked in that little man's brain. He performs Kelly and, and Jarrett every single day when he gets home oh. from school. He gets oh. from back. His grandfather, uh, uh, get, we got him electric guitar and a, and a mic stand and an amp. Nice. He, he's ready.
1: So well, I don't uh, want to say I don't want to say too much, but at some point over their summer, there may be an all ages No Family Foundation show, and if that goes down, I think we're gonna have to see him up on that stage. Oh yeah, absolutely. I think I think we're gonna have to see it now. I do. I do have to laugh. Like it's it's funny, Tyson. You're like I. I just don't understand that four years. You don't understand. You name the fucking kid Seamus Sullivan. He is genetically <laughs>
0: predisposed to like <liking laughs> dropkick Murphys. You didn't have a choice. He was born. When, come on, Tim. You know what's funny about that, Jared? My my relatives in Ireland, when I told them what my son's name is, they, they go, you named him Seamus, huh? And, um, yeah, it's just, and his middle name That's is Brady, Seamus Brady. Yeah. There's, there's,
1: there's, he was, there he had no chance, but to like the kick Murphys. You're right. So, you're right. Yeah. Yeah. Does, does he, does he have like a Celtics tattoo already or does he that? A lot of,
0: unfortunately, a lot of people, you know, I've even had a couple of Karens message me on Facebook. He likes to put fake tattoos on and, um, i I, i've had a couple of concerned karens reach out to me you know god that that don't even know me (laughs) oh my word give me life advice on my son uh... listen listen lady the big ones are fake only the little ones are real i know what i'm doing here
1: (laughs) oh that's great well tyson um like I said, the uh, the amazing things that you you do for the Knoll Family Foundation and all of the people that you have helped out, and now coming on here and sharing your story, and again, like Kelly said, that's really what it is. You you, you share the story so people know. Like man, other other people have been where I have and have been able to come out the other side, and I, I just don't know it's impossible to not be in a good mood when, when you're around you. It's you have this infectious uh, positivity and, and personality and uh, it was amazing getting to spend some time with you in Monterey and I'm uh, and very lucky to, to know you and to, to be able to work with the old family foundation with you, man.
0: Well, I want to, I want to, you know, the, the feelings mutual Jared and, and uh, the way you and your wife um, carry yourself, with just uh, just the compassion you have for the Knoll Family Foundation. I got to say, I really admired uh, your style at, at, at Cali Roots, man. Your 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 uh, your energy and, and your excitement to everybody walking by that booth. There ain't nobody getting by that booth at Jared's <laughs> season. Um, you know, so true. You're grabbing them and you're asking them their favorite Sublime song. And by the time they leave, they have a bag full of T-shirts and hats. <laughs> Well, that's what we got to do, man.
1: You know, we're, we're out there, <laughs> we're out there spreading the word. So um, huh. it's uh, it certainly helps when we have an amazing cause. It's a, it's not a hard sell. It's not a sell at all. We, you know, when people hear what's going on, they uh, they want to get involved and that. That feels so good. And again, that's because of uh, all the hard work from everybody, Kelly, and, uh, right. and the amazing board that you've put together. And, uh, here we are. And, uh, you know, the, the name is people walk up at the Cali roots. Like, yeah, man, I saw you guys at Cali vibes. Like, Hey, I talked to you. The the one guy that walked up and he was like, Hey man, like, I, I thought maybe we were like second cousins, and I didn't recognize him. <laughs> Turns out that we met him at Reggae Rise Up Vegas, and nice. he bought a bunch of new stuff. So it's just it's really cool to see people wearing the merch and to know that the Noel Family Foundation name is really getting around there. And uh, it's it's nice to see the collective of hard work paying off.
0: Yes, the true the true OGs of the reggae scene. They 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 rock the Browley's house hat.
2: Yes. It's so cool to see the artists wearing
0: it. and Yeah, we sure appreciate their support. It's a privilege and an honor to be a part of this.
1: So Tyson, for anybody who's listening, and I know we've had you on the podcast before and you've shared some of this information, but uh, for anybody who's listening, if they're thinking that it's time for them to to, to get some help, or they've got a loved one that they want to get some information for, they can reach out to you, right? How can they find you?
0: You, you know what? I, I, I'll make it. I'll make it this simple because I don't care who calls me. Um, you th- you, would you be okay with me giving my phone number out, Kelly? or You think we should stick to emails? Why don't we
2: stick to email for now? I just don't want okay. you to get bombarded since you do still yeah. have a regular job as well. I appreciate you being willing to do that, but um, I really it, don't I, want I, you to get overwhelmed.
0: Yeah. I mean, I never am overwhelmed. I, I take, uh, I take hundreds of calls daily, but I would say for now uh, what we do uh, through the Knoll family foundation is please email us um, yes. and, uh, Kelly, at the Noel yeah. family Info at the Noel family If you're serious mm-hmm. about getting help and you, you send that email out, Kelly will get me connected with you and I will go to the end of the world. If you are willing to go with me to get sober and I will help you. You're an amazing human being.
2: Yeah. You're awesome, Tyson. Well, thank you so much for serving on the board for all the stuff that you do that helps people every single day. And I know it can be a very thankless job, but um, I'm certain that there are hundreds of people walking around that credit you with, with making it happen for their sobriety. And that's a a wonderful, beautiful thing. And um, we're super privileged and honored to have you on the board. And it was so great having you on the podcast. Thank you for coming on and talking with
0: us. I love you guys very much. Thank you. Jared, did you want to
2: ask him your question? Yeah. Yeah.
0: yeah, Before I let you go, we're going to get to the bottom of something here.
1: Um, When we have a guest on, obviously we talk about whatever comes up, but sublime is always where I would like to lead any conversation to at any time in any situation. So uh, before I let you get off, I'm going to ask you the question. If you were to run into somebody who had never heard a sublime, they've never heard a sublime song before in their life, they're a music fans, So they're interested in hearing about this band and they're going to give you an opportunity to play a song for them to kind of hook them. What sublime song would you play for them?
0: Tyson Sullivan. Wow. To get them hooked on Sublime. Um, Man, I'm going to have to go with, uh, I'm going to have to go with, uh, to help understand Sublime's true uh, sound, I'm going to have to go with STP. Yes,
1: STP is one of my favorites. Great choice. One of my favorites. Yeah, that's uh, also. I wanted to let you know that there really is no wrong answer.
0: No, there's not. But Sublime is my favorite band. Um, I grew up. No, with them. Sublime's
1: my favorite band. Tyson.
0: <laughs> <laughs> and uh, yeah, you know we like uh, one thing. I'll end with for Jarrett. Uh, we anybody listening? Jarrett knows more about the Knoll family's history than Kelly does. <laughs> <laughs>
2: <laughs> It's very true. <laughs> <laughs> Certainly when it's sublime related, that's for sure. But he does. He does a lot. It's, a, it's an impressive thing. And we love well, for that. Jared.
1: I appreciate <laughs> you saying that. And, you know, my brain allows me to, to remember some stuff. So, you know, they, occasionally somebody will be like, oh, well, when was that released? Do you remember that show? And I'll know um but while i'm answering the question i'm walking around the house looking for my drink that i put <laughs> so um I knew I put that bottle of Pepsi somewhere and it's always in the weirdest (laughs) spot. Like what, why did I stick it in the middle of that bookshelf? What was I doing? So, um, so yeah. Yeah. But I, uh, I I do appreciate you saying that. And um, I, I I know that sublime has meant so much to so many and it's kind of what got us all involved in this. Um, But STP, man, I, I, I love STP. So uh, Tyson, man, thank you so much. Again, I, I can't thank you enough for coming on. It's so cool and-, and sharing your Mexican prison story because <laughs> I was so excited. I've been-, I've been waiting for two weeks now, so.
0: Well, ho- hopefully it delivered. <laughs> hopefully it met your expectations.
1: I was fucking entertained. I don't know about anybody else that's listening, but I, was- I-, I couldn't have been any happier with, with how this all went, man. Awesome. Well, thanks
2: again for being on the show, Tyson. Have a great day.
1: Bye guys. I'll tell you, I've been so excited about this interview with Tyson and oh my God, it did not disappoint. And not just because of his fun Mexican prison stories, um, but because of how awesome it is to know that he was at that point and he is to where he is right now. And I think that's got to mean so much to, to the listeners and to everybody out there because he, he really is an incredible story.
2: Absolutely. And I, I think it makes such a difference. Like I said, knowing him now and the man that he is and how far he's come. And, uh, I, I'd say he, you know, he took a risk on getting clean and, and I'm pretty sure it's paid off for him. <laughs>
1: Yes, absolutely. And uh, I hope you guys enjoyed hearing Tyson's story a little bit, getting to know a little bit more about the Knoll Family Foundation and meeting another one of the board members. And of course, guys, you know why we're doing the podcast, so we can raise money to get Bradley's house up and open. You guys can click the link tree in the description of this show. It'll get you to all things Knoll Family Foundation, or you can just visit the org and that will get you to uh, check out our awesome merch and a uh, little bit about what We're doing. Make sure you're following all of our social media. It's the Knoll Family Foundation everywhere. We're going to have some more information on the upcoming event that is June 25th at
2: Alex's. And tickets went on sale for that today online at the Alex's Bar website, which is alex'sbar.com. We're so excited to be back there. They did a phenomenal job with our benefit show in February. We had a sellout crowd. Everyone had a great time. Alex's is always a great time. And uh, so excited that we're going to be doing it again, Saturday, June 25th from 6 to 10 p.m. And of course, Jacob Noel is going to be headlining, playing some of his dad's sublime music. That's going to be super fun. And he's going to be joined by some of the members of Burritos, who we were just talking about. Of course, Casey Sullivan, Katie Sullivan, and their drummer Ian, I believe, are all going to be with them. So that's going to be a phenomenal, phenomenal show. Of course, we've also got Sensi Trails on the lineup, and uh, our good friend Gabo of Sayuka is going to be there. We have a DJ Product, who's going to be spinning in between the sets. Always love to have him. And I believe we have a special guest that's going to be doing some live painting, right, Jared?
1: Yes, I'm so excited about this. Uh, Rast1 will be out there. He's going to be doing some painting, guys. You probably know Ras one is the voice of the Long Beach Dub All-Stars from their earlier albums. Um, you probably have seen him performing around. And what you may not know is he's an amazing artist. This guy can draw and paint. Like, he's, uh, he's such an interesting character. Um <laughs> So, yes, he's going to come out. He's going to be painting, and uh, the painting will be uh, for sale with the uh, proceeds going to the Knoll Family Foundation. I'm super excited. Jacob playing sublime music with a, a band behind him for the first time. Uh, the last time we did this, it was just him and Miguel Acoustic, which was awesome. But to now be able to get kind of some of the feels from the band, I'm so excited. Scentsy Trails, those guys are awesome. We had them at the booth at the Knoll Family, Found- or the Knoll Family Foundation booth at Cali Roots. So well, we also have them. Those,
2: those paintings from David Marple that he did while listening to Scentsy Trails.
1: Yeah, these amazing like ocean landscapes that uh he was listening to some Sensi Trails music and he was staring at it and he got inspired and he made these paintings and uh actually had them all sign it while they were at Cali Roots. So we're gonna have that out there as well. He donated that to the foundation. Um and of course, uh Gabo from Fayuca is gonna come out and uh and get us started. I'll do a little acoustic set. I just love me some Gabo. So yes. uh so super excited about that night. So guys, uh you can get it at alexisbar.com. You can get more information on the uh Noel Family Foundation social media pages, but an amazing night of music. Uh, and of course, helping us get a little bit closer to getting Bradley's house up and open. Now, I asked Tyson the question. He said his favorite Sublime song, STP, and it's one of my favorite Sublime songs, too. So we are going to lead you guys out with this is Sublime from Robin the Hood, and this is STP. Thank you so much for joining us on another awesome episode of Bradley's House. Until next time, I'm Jared Orr. She is Kelly Noel. You don't have to go home, but it's time to leave Bradley's house.
2: Okay, I'm gonna suck out for this, (laughs) ready?